What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. Welcome back. We are back with another episode. All Canadian, Wade Zanketa, Connor O'Neill here. Big weekend this weekend, and we got a lot to get to. Of course, of course, we're going to get to Wade's weekend. He's going to tell us how he felt over the weekend, what he was doing, where he was watching. We were at the Ottawa Red Blacks game, which was a ton of fun. And obviously, we're coming back with the wish list it is officially july christmas in july season so we are planning out our wish list for teams in u sports this season we're going to do the oua west not really the west anymore but western half (laughs) um okay so here's my thing this is the worst week ever for wage wagers um we went three and one on on outright money lines, but we went zero and four on spread. Oh, oh no! No, I thought BC. So two and two money straight up. But uh, oh, first of all, I, like, I said to Connor not... on Thursday, like the BC loss. That is the one loss. And I'm like, yeah, I lost a bet because it meant Nathan Rourke played lights out. <laughs> Uh, which we'll get to, but uh, then Hamilton. <laughs> oh, Hamilton. Uh, they were looking so nice. And then just tip passes, tip passes. I'll get to that in a second when I do my weekend recap. I uh, thought Sask would win. Didn't think they'd blow it out and pull ahead like they did at the end. And then, oh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Looks so promising. 17 to 3. And we finished 23 22. Okay. Um, you're saying though about since you can't. Yes. Uh, since like since I can't like do any of the gambling stuff anymore, I it makes me so happy for you to like feel the pain of some of those Connor's covers from previous years, man. This is my first weekend having multiple losses. <laughs> oh, it's a lot more fun oh. on the other side of it when you just get to like sit back and kind of like it's not it's observe. not even like. It's not even like I lost, lost. Like I just guessed the games wrong. It's just teams just couldn't pull ahead or teams blew leads. Like I was so confident in that Hamilton game. And all of a sudden it was just like, oh, tipped pass, interception, tip pass, interception. And I'm like, <sighs> oh, speaking of that <laughs> Hamilton game, uh, I can't believe I failed to mention this off the top. What a weekend for Canadian quarterbacks. Two Canadian oh, yeah. quarterbacks starting. That was pretty cool to see. As Look at well. us burying the lead. Big J journalist <laughs> right here. <laughs> I know. Oh, geez. Not great. There's just so much. I was at the Sheepdogs. Yeah. We how were was at that? the Red Blacks how was the game. Sheep? How was the Sheepdogs? Uh, it was a lot of fun. Different fun from that Red Blacks game that we were at. But uh, it was cool. Sheepdogs on Canada Day on a farm just outside of Kingston. Nothing farm. more Kingston you say than that. Farm, yeah. Like it's not a brewery, but okay. It's a brewery. Yeah. It is a brewery for, for all those that are just like, oh, like the sheepdog should just like played a farm somewhere. No, it's it's actually a brewery. It's a very popular brewery around Kingston. Um, it was a good time though. It was a good setup. It looked nice. I saw I saw you were there with Riley, and then uh, I had a couple other guys that I knew from Kingston area that went, but it looked like a big party. Oh, yeah. There was there's a lot of people that you're just running into left, right, and center. <laughs> Um, but no, okay, let's start with Thursday night. We were both there. Uh, first of all, the Kid Canada fan club did not fade away like I guess it would with the short week, but uh, instead it continued to grow. 
Also, we can now say that there is a patent celebration for Kid Canada and the offense with their little arms up. It's almost like the Caddyshack gopher where he's just kind of like going at it. <laughs> um, so you, the funny thing about that is you pointed that out. And then like, I was like, I don't, I don't think I really realized that. And then I started going back and looking at like old touchdowns from like week, like the earlier weeks. And I was like, Oh my God, yeah. they're doing it. Like, yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. I Every time I'm, I'm all behind it. Um, but no, we, uh, even that first touchdown, like the 50 yard run, we were standing down in the corner of the end zone. And we saw the flags fly right away on the short yards. And we were just kind of like, oh, it's it's offside. It'll come back. Like, kind of like, oh, cool run, like, whatever. And then he got to the end zone. There wasn't really, like, a cheer from the BC fans that were there because everyone was just kind of like, oh, there's flags. Like, it's probably an offside. Like, something just procedure. Something happened. Um, then all of a sudden, they're like, offside, Ottawa. And I was like, oh, Oh, it's standing. That's a that's a fifty yard touchdown run on a QB sneak. Okay, Nathan Rourke, that's a that's a way to stop start the game off. Oh, uh, it was it was a lot of fun to watch in person. I will say, like uh, that's the that was my first live game of twenty twenty two and first time seeing Nathan Rourke, and uh, it was cool. It was really cool. I got a, I got Love being at at live CFL games, though. My word. I got a text after the game being like, so how was the Nathan Rourke experience live? My response was I was sold from warmups. And here's why Nathan Rourke has created so much whip and torque out of his hip movement. Um, but it's like, it's like a weird hip movement where it like kind of half snaps and all of a sudden it full snaps and the arm comes through. So it like, it's like a two, staged progression through his throwing motion which i've never seen before but it just generates so much velocity and then you match that with his ability to throw on the run and put guys out of bounds and down and away from dbs it was it was just impressive to watch um i will say the two interceptions the first one i was like what the f in hell are you doing like <laughs> the play is dead take the loss move on to the next one um, the second pick, they lined up in 41. And I said to you, I was like, oh, it's not good. <laughs> it's like they run an out. Money Hunter just runs it for the receiver. Um, throws a little behind, but you're hopeless on that. You're trying to keep the guy in balance. He can still make the yardage for the first down. Um, so, yeah, I, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is beautiful. But Nathan Rourke still caught him. At the five, he beat him to the spot, caught him, pulled him down like one hand He-Man style. Um, so I was like, I was pretty impressed by it still. And then, of course, he came back to your guy, Keon Hatcher, uh, <laughs> who is the most buried story of the weekend, I think, is the fact that Keon Hatcher went off. But it was Thursday night and the games ended on Monday night. So nobody's talking about it today. It was good. It was a lot of fun. Um Good weekend of football for sure. I was at that Ottawa game with you, but I was not on the couch with you for the rest of them. So before we get into the OUA stuff, our wish list for the OUA, um, give me some quick hitters on how the rest of your weekend went. I will graciously now bow out. Just want to hear about it. 
admittedly, I did not watch much of the Ticats game. Um, uh, it was Canada, come on. Uh, but I did catch parts of it. Uh, Trey Ford looked average from the pocket. I mean, we know he's going to make his bones and get his yards whenever he pleases uh, scrambling and running. And from the scrambling progressions, he is able to, you know, um, he is able to find receivers downfield, make extended plays, but he looked, he looked average from the pocket. And yes, it is his first career CFL start, but Nick Arbuckle looked average in his first start and he was pulled <laughs> after a half. So uh, for Trey, like, yes, they won. They won off of a defensive touchdown, uh, which Scott Hutter, all the kudos to him for filing in to make that forced fumble. Uh, and then they had two interceptions as well in that second half off of tip passes. Uh, so they did not win the game off of Trey Ford's back. Yes, he threw a touchdown. Um, but to me, he just looked average. And that's okay. You can look average in your first career start. Uh, we'll see where he grows and progresses with this. But my main takeaway from that game is can we get Sean Thomas Erlington off the damn field? I have been such a fan of his. For years, I was so excited to have him last year, so excited to get a good Sean Thomas Erlington back this season with the Ticats and with Dane Evans. Two games in a row, Connor. Dane has tried to check the ball down to Sean Thomas Erlington. And in two games, what has he done? He has taken the ball as it is being thrown to him and decided to pitch it back like he is playing rugby to the damn linebacker in his hands turn throw it to the linebacker and say i didn't want the ball you guys can have a good possession like and both times it has cost the tie cats the game <laughs> one it put them uh out of the game because it was overtime against calgary this one it led to all the other ancillary factors like the fumble the other pick uh, Edmonton going down, adding more points to close the lead. So I'm at the point now where I'm like, holy hell, if this guy's on the field <laughs> for another passing situation, Dane can't trust him to check it down to him. Because once a game, apparently, he's just going to throw it at the defense and say, can you guys please take this ball? I actually don't want to have possession of it anymore. <laughs> so frustrating. So for me, like, I think I saw a stat that of Dane Evans, seven interceptions, six of them are off tipped passes. My main takeaway was Hamilton will be fine. There's no way that you can have six turnovers off of tipped balls continue throughout the season. Like That's not a trend that is going to continue. It's going to check it at one point. Um, so I'm, just, I'm not worried about Hamilton at all. Uh, I'm more worried about Sean Thomas Erlington and his propensity to play rugby in the middle of a football game with the other team, mind you, at that. It's one thing if he's pitching it to his own guys, but uh, no, then uh, we get Saskatchewan and yeah, Fajardo is still, he's going to be a problem this year. They're, they're banged up, but banged up with an actual week of practice means they thump the Alouettes. Like KSV is, <laughs> he's that dude, man. And they're going to get Kyron Moore. They're going to get Shaq Evans, Duke Williams. All of them are going to come back healthy. How do you cover down that many great targets? Because 
we can say Duke Williams is great. We can say Shaq Evans is great. Kyron Moore is great with the ball in his hands. KSB is quickly joining that as a national receiver, a young national receiver. He's been a difference maker for the green and white. Uh, so that's my takeaway from Sask. And then last night's game, I, I texted you this. This is what Hamilton would have looked like if they had signed and played J.J. Molson. <laughs> I will always come back to that because that is the first ever where Wade was right because I called this before the draft in our first year of the podcast and it has stayed true to this day and it keeps being proved right. Um, but no, the Argos, I mean, everyone was crushing, like the whole panel, the debate at halftime was, should they be pulling McLeod Bethel-Thompson? No, God, no. He had the pick to Winston Rose was bad. He left a, he left a corner down and inside and late that's picks Connor you know as a DB like you see a corner throwing a corner or a quarterback throwing a corner late you're already like oh shit I'm getting my hands on this one then you see that the ball's coming inside and it's behind the receiver you're like oh this is going house so you take that and you run right like that's just DB one you see the corner coming late and you're like oh (laughs) have fun throwing that ball Right? I uh, shake this head, yes. Um, but uh, the second interception was just like, throw the ball away, dude. You're not, your check down had stayed in to help give you protection. Just throw the ball away. And then the other bad play from the first half, it was just Marquise Ambles. The ball hit his hand on his way through on the motion. That's just a fluke accident. So I thought they were gaining yards well. They just had a couple boneheaded mistakes by McLeod. But at the same time, they're moving that ball because of him and Andrew Harris working in tandem. Um, They almost came back. I was a fan of them kicking the field goal at the end of the game for two reasons. One, you had outscored Winnipeg. uh, If you had made that, what ended up being 19 to three in the second or 19 to six in the second half, your offense is rolling. Your defense had stepped up big time. uh, And you're at home. When you're at home, play for the overtime. When you're on the road, take it. And like if they played that game at IG Field, uh, Andrew Harris getting that ball, I'm I'm going for it. Um, but even on their the touchdown play to Ambles, it was a play action, and I think probably seven or eight defenders dove into that box to try and take away Andrew Harris. One of them just happened to catch Ambles on his way by and ran with it, but then he folded off to go and get McLeod, which he should not have done. He had a trailer behind him, but the trailer should have called him and said, go, go, go. I've, I've got McLeod. Um, but no, I was a fan of them going for, for the, the tie playing overtime. Um, the East is getting beat up by the West right now, but they're all close games. I think there's been two blowouts. Um, and one of them was at the hands of Nathan Gork. Ottawa's game should have been a blowout too, but so they should have two blowouts, both at the hands of Nathan Rourke. So, uh, that's it for the weekend. Connor, welcome back into the discussion. Uh, what say you on Edmonton Elks quarterback Trey Ford, who we have watched for years at Waterloo? Did you see anything different to his game? Anything that you're kind of like, yeah, that's normal. Like, what did you see from Waterloo quarterback Trey Ford? I saw <clears throat> – sorry. I saw Waterloo quarterback Trey Ford. 
I mean, if you he's look at what he's not going to hit seventy percent passing. Yeah, like I, I think I think what he does well, what he did well at at Waterloo was he used his legs to make plays, used his legs to bait defenses, and with that, he's able to push the ball downfield. And you know, I think people are kind of like, oh, whatever he threw, he didn't throw for four hundred thirty six yards or whatever. But I mean. Yeah, it, it was it was a Waterloo quarterback, Trey Ford, and I think that as he learns how to be a CFL quarterback, like let's not forget this kid's our age, my age, he's 24, 25 yeah. years old. Like, <laughs> so I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw Waterloo quarterback Trey Ford, and I think there's a lot to be excited about there. Absolutely, and uh, I mean, when you talk about extending plays. When you have a guy like Kenny Lawler, if you can extend a play for like three seconds, that's what I mean. Magic's going to happen, and it, it will come in time. Um, and like as a DB, you know, I know. I mean, those kind of when scramble rules apply, that coverage can only hold for so long, which is you know, well, in the, there's just there's just no like it's scramble rules. Exactly, which means you go in a direction. It doesn't say where you go in that direction or how you get to that direction, but you go in that direction. Once you hit the sideline or close enough to line of scrimmage, oh, peel off and go the other way. So, and like we saw so many times with Ford in in U Sports at at Waterloo, like he's so mobile in that backfield in those scramble rule situations that eventually the coverage breaks and something's there. Eventually, Tyler Tanowski comes screaming open <laughs> down the middle. Like, yeah, exactly. So, and they no, goes for I, a thousand yeah. yards that season, right? Like, this yeah. is a. This is a nice transition, though, because when we do our one big thing today, we are talking about the western half of the OUA. Yeah. And one of these teams is Waterloo. And we're going to start there and then kind of go back towards Windsor and work our way forward. But uh, with Waterloo, it has been four years of the Trey Ford show. And people can say, yeah. well, they've had good defenses. They've had really good receivers. They've had some good running backs. Um, true. Yes, that is that is true. But the engine behind their team and them becoming a 500 program from a 0 and 8 program was number has, five. Has been five. Now number two, but five is a nicer jersey number, and I I will all stand by that. So you think so? You uh, think you just went with two because it's an upside down vibe? Oh, I never thought of that. Interesting theory, right? Well, maybe we can. We'll have to pop into the Edmonton Elks Reddit page because uh, I see Trey Ford has been actively recruiting new Elks fans. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to ask him if that is the case or why he chose number two with the Elks. Um, maybe it's because he was a second. Oh no, wait. Was he a first rounder? Yeah. Maybe it's because he was projected to be the second string and now he's the first. I don't know. Then he should change his number to one if he can't, but uh, Trey Ford wearing one would be kind of cool too, but no, like what does this team look like with Chris Bertoia? Because we know they like to run the ball. Do they just fold heavy into that? And are like, all right, we're going to be a power team play with us if you can. And then they try to hold on on defense because they have great front seven still. Um, the Hinsberger brothers, I think are all still at Waterloo. So all very gonna, athletic, all very athletic. So you're going to have those guys in the box to help keep that down. But do you just kind of move to this ground control time control or ground game time control offense? Or do you try to find a similar player? You're not going to find another one 
that is Trey Ford, but you try to find a similar guy to kind of hand the keys to and say, all right, dude, Trey had four years. You get four years. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, I don't know what the right answer to that is, but I think whoever is that quarterback, what we saw Coach Burt do so well with Ford is just play to his strengths and let him, you know, make plays with what his skill set lended itself to. So I, I don't think, and like you, you didn't say it, but like, yeah, I, don't, I agree. I don't think trying to find another Trey Ford is the correct approach at all. I just think you need to go with the best quarterback on your roster and build a game plan around his skill set like you did with a Trey Ford, whether that's, you know, a drop back scramble type quarterback or it's more of like in in the pocket downfield passing quarterback or it's a ground game play action style quarterback like I, I think you just need to develop your game figure out who your number one is and develop the game plan around that because I, I do still think there are a ton of athletes on the Waterloo roster like think of this way like Baltimore when they drafted Lamar Jackson they kept Joe Flacco Joe Flacco started the year and it was until Joe got hurt and they're like, all right, he's going to be out like six to eight weeks. Like, then they were kind of like, all right, let's change this offense to suit the style of our quarterback. And you don't have to have that same style behind him right away. But as you start to recruit guys in years to come, say you sign a, a top end quarterback. I was going to say five star, but Canada does not use five star rankings for recruits. That is a strictly US thing. Um, if you get a top end quarterback recruit, like, uh, so you get, I think his name's like Leo, uh, L-I-O, I think he's from St. Andrews. Like, say you get him, the top quarterback recruit in the country right now. Anthony Leo, I believe his name is. Um, say you get him, and he's got legs. He's got a cannon arm. Do you just say, all right, air rated out, let's go. Um, and then do you just build in strong arm quarterbacks behind him? Or do you get a guy like a Clay Sequera, who I played with, and he has that electric running ability, but at the same time, he keeps building up that arm as he goes through school. Like, which style of quarterback do you go with? Do you start and say, we have a guy on the roster now, it's his team, try to beat him out, or do you just hand the keys over? That's my big question with Waterloo for this year is, where does this offense go and what does it look like without number five? I think that's probably most likely the biggest question for U sports this season, I would argue is what is Waterloo look like post Trey Ford era? Cause I mean, say what we will, he was probably one of the most, if not the most electric quarterback that I can remember in the, in the recent, like from 2010 on guaranteed, but from the two thousands on, there's a lot of good quarterbacks, but I would, I would rank Trey Ford up there for sure. In terms of, you know, being fun to watch, making plays like, who was doing what he was doing? Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple quarterbacks that Man, not to he's, the extent he's, that Trey Ford did, but there's a couple quarterbacks that have he is on put a on a short show. list. Yeah, yes, he is. Um, okay, just want to remind you guys if 2009 was a good one. <laughs> just want to remind you guys if you want to get in on some gambling action this year, make sure you head over to CoolBet.ca. Uh, Coolbet Canada is the best sports book in the country. They have daily boosted odds and a wide variety of sports to gamble on. Must be uh, of legal age and in Canada to play. It is geo-blocked to the rest of the world. Uh, with that, let's go to the west end of the province and uh, 
talk about our favorite road trap. I know I'm spoiling yours, Connor, but we are going to the Windsor Lancers, uh, who seem to be on an island by themselves out there. Yeah, that's a long one. That is a long one. My favorite part about Windsor is like the highway, the 401 just ends. It's just like, oh, 401 ends now. There's nothing, no like grandiose signage, nothing. It's just like, yep, 401 ends. But uh, love that. Love Windsor. I thought you were going to say pizza is your best thing. Oh, that's absolutely. Like if I was being real, that's the only good thing about Windsor. Ambassador Pizza. I feel like I can't talk. uh, Is Connor's favorite spot, by the way. It was was ranked and rated by the president of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy himself. Uh, It got a pretty solid rating. He just said it's really good, but it's not my style of pizza because he likes really thin. But Ambassador Pizza is quite good. Fair enough. I I will say, like, I think I texted you when I watched the review. Like, I agreed with it, but I feel like he didn't get the true because he was, he was, he was kind of picky with it. So I feel like he didn't get the true authentic. No, I feel like he should have just been like, yeah, give me the authentic Windsor style pizza. And they should have just been like, here it is. And he should have just like tried it, but whatever it's neither here nor there. He still liked the pizza. So uh, Uh, I'll, I'll concede, but anyways, back to football, (laughs) my, uh, my wish for Windsor. Sorry. My wish for Windsor here is for them to take advantage of this road trap. We saw it work a couple times last season. It is a long road trip, and when you got to force teams, especially now with the OUA getting back to its regular schedule, uh, when you got to force teams to make that long trek, it's tough. It's a tough game to go play, and I think that you know Windsor has some athletes and some Windsor has some athletes and some playmakers that they can use to take advantage in situations like this. So. I, I want to see them take advantage of their home games a little bit more this year. It's uh, very true. We saw them catch uh, Guelph. They caught Guelph off guard last year. Guelph. And didn't they? Didn't they beat Waterloo as well? No, they. No, they didn't beat Waterloo. Mac. Somebody they caught somebody. I'd have to go back and look it up. I can't remember off the top of my head. Their luck but... ran out when they ran into the Western Mustangs, but I mean, yeah, they couldn't road trap Western, but that's a tough. Uh, one. Western is also the closest one to Windsor, so it kind of kind of runs out but the real road traps are like you said like ottawa carlton queens toronto york like those teams that have to drive across the province to get to you uh it certainly is my thing for winter this year stop the damn run please is that possible uh 186 plus yards per game last year on the ground against windsor and an oua leading 13 touchdowns against uh if you want to play football in the OUA, you need and win and win is the key part. You need to stop the run. I mean, you have Western, Laurier, Mac, uh, Ottawa, Carlton, Queens. These teams are all hell bent on running the ball down your throat. And if you're going to sit there and just give up 186 and 13 touchdowns against, yeah, it's not going to be fun for you. You're going to lose a lot of games. Your offense isn't going to touch the field and have a chance to respond very often because that clock is going to be eaten up. And I mean, I think they gave up like 5.8 or 5.6 yards per carry as well. All it takes is first down, five yards, second down, five yards. And first down, okay, do it again. So you have to at least get that down to like four, three, four and a half. Uh, yards per carry so just 
little increments, but try to stop the run because that is where your team is going to start to see successes. Especially against teams, like you said, like a Queens who not only has a great running back, also has a quarterback that can run the ball too. So you, you're going to need to stop the run if you are winter this year. <laughs> have to agree. Western, let's talk about those Mustangs, man. Okay, okay, you go first because I know you, you've had a big theory on this one. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Kojo Doom. I like <laughs> this is a little bit more of a fun one, I guess, but like I, I'll get into like I guess a little bit of it after. But I want to see Kojo Odoom. I want to see Kojo Odoom win the OUA defensive MVP. I like him a lot. He's a great DB out of Western. Um, Western admittedly does have a lot of major pieces on their back end. Moving on, Danny Valenti, Deontay Knight. Rory Kelly, all moving on. So Kojo Doom has an opportunity to step up and be a leader. We saw him in a good season last year. 24 tackles, an interception, a fumble recovery. What's he going to do this year? Um, and I guess that is kind of a good spot to lead you in because that's the theme of your wish for Western as well. Uh, the, the question I have for Western this year, my one big thing is the next step for Evan Hillock. I mean, he came in last year uh, – at half against Laurier, if I'm not mistaken. And it was kind of like, all right, manage the game, hand the ball off to Keon and Trey and uh, Winati and and just let them kind of dictate the flow of play. But as they started to move through the playoffs, it was like, all right, you can't just rely on your running backs to carry for 300 yards. Unless you're playing St. FX in the national semifinal, then you can rely on them to have 300 plus yards and like 18 touchdowns between the three of them because – why not? Um, but no, with, with Hillock, it was, it was like, okay, you, you start taking over more and more of the responsibilities, more and more of this offense. And to me, it's going to be this progression of he came in, he was just a game manager. Then as the season went on, he started to build up and become, you know, a, a game weapon and now he is the game plan. And I think they will still have a strong running attack because it's Western. But Evan Hillock with Savon Magne Jones is going to be a great connection this year. You know, they're going to have some random recruit that comes out and just wows people as well. Um, I want to see what his next step is. Can he improve on his uh, 1,500 yards? I mean, he played eight games, um, but he can he improve on that? Because he had a high efficiency rating. Uh, he did have only 94 completions. So uh, lots of room to grow. He showed the requisite skill set that you're like, yeah, that one is going to be a, a fun one to watch. So uh, as they push for a home Vanier berth to try and defend a Vanier cup championship, his progression is going to be huge for them, uh, especially as they will have to match up. I believe with uh can Wes? no i think they match up with the rsec this year uh in the national semifinals so um they may have to go on the road for that one but uh we'll see how they how they fare i like it i like it by the end of last season by the vanya cup evan hillock looked like he had the skill set to be, I'm not going to say the best, but maybe one of the top guys in the OUA for this season for sure. Um, heck of a way to end the season for him too. Vanier Cup champ. Never a Absolutely. bad thing. 
let's go to Laurier football. We know Coach Falds and that program have been growing, and then they kind of hit a, a lull, I'd like to say, after their after their Yates Cup win. But they've just kind of been, you know, they, they can play with anyone, but they don't seem to really take advantage of that uh, when it comes to the postseason. So uh, what do we want to see from the Laurier Golden Hawks as they try to regain their Yates Cup strength? Uh, I think ours both kind of tie into each other. I just want to see Laurier football, man. Like when, when we think traditional Michael Falls football, Laurier football, it's what is it to me when they were winning the 2016 uh, OUA championship, like great defense, good run game, and they're able to exploit opposing defenses using play action. Like, wow, what's Curly Gittins Jr. doing with Toronto right now? Good run game, and he's able to get open from working the run game. So I, I think that's what we've traditionally seen with Laurier, and that's what traditionally has made Laurier good. And like we always say, like, Laurier has got gamers every single year. They put players into the league every single year, it seems. Uh, I mean, Bryce Bell getting opportunities at offensive line in the league right now. So, um, yeah, I just want to see Laurier football be Laurier football, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I feel you. Mine, uh, mine's just regaining your ground game. I mean, you had Dylan Campbell, LaVondre Gordon, Eric Gutan, and then uh, U of T had a, had a higher, like your leading rusher at Laurier was below U of T's leading rusher. And U of T has been the last three, four seasons, an air raid team where they just let Clay go and have at it. Uh, but for Laurier, it's like reestablish yourself. You have some of the most athletic offensive linemen in the conference. We know your scheming and everything and your play calling works. Let's get back to committing to that dominating ground game where you push people around um, and you don't let them dictate the line of scrimmage. You reestablish it like we've seen so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of goes hand in hand. Defense and ground games. Not a bad way to push people around and win football games. Uh, Guelph, man, moving on to the next one. Tell me what you want to see this season out of the Guelph Griffins because they are set to have one of the most electric passing attacks in the OUA. Am I allowed to say that? Is it too uh, early to say that? Okay, here's the here's set up the to have. We They are set up to have, yes. Uh, we have Keandre Smith and Clark Barnes. We've been spoiled by them the last couple of years. Well, Keandre Smith is out. He's uh, he's playing with the Thai Cats. Enter second year receiver Keegan Dix to fill that void because we saw him pop off early in the year uh, with Sean Law, and Dix kind of dealt with injuries and then just kind of fizzled out as Keandre and Clark kind of took over the volume of receptions and targets. Uh, Clark Barnes still gonna be that guy. He's still probably gonna house kick returns uh, like it's his day job because it probably will be in a year when the CFL draft comes around. Uh, Keegan Dix, meanwhile, he's gonna start implementing himself in this offense and setting himself up to be one of the top receivers in the OUA this year. Uh, I truly believe that size, strength, speed. Uh, he brings it all at the point of attack. He's great uh, laying out, making athletic style catches like that. I want to see what this guy can become. I know there's going to be a lot of targets left open without Keandre there. And uh, I want to see this offense just utilize this combo to their fullest. Yep. 
Yep. I kind of second that with my, with my wish for the Guelph Griffins this year, air the damn ball out. I don't even want to see a running back on the field. Just go empty. Just go empty all season long, <laughs> throw the ball, Sean law, throw the ball. That should be a t-shirt assigned something, but man. Yeah. I, I just want to see Guelph abuse teams with what could be a pretty exciting passing attack. All right. Last but not least in the former OUA West, the McMaster Marauders, who uh, I think by everyone's account underachieved in 2021. Uh, You're talking about a team that was playing in the national semifinal against the eventual Vanier Cup champions in the Calgary Dinos. Um, And there was a lot of talk leading into that game, but I mean, Calgary kind of hush-hushed that really quick. Uh, And since then, we've kind of seen this meteoric rise of Andreas Dueck come crashing back down to earth. And that's not to say that he played poorly, but it's just to say that he isn't playing at the astronomical level that people thought he would continue to grow to. Um, So as we look at McMaster, what is your wish or big question or concern with this team? I think my wish for McMaster, it absolutely is centered around Andreas Dueck. He's got a chance outside of Hillock to be the guy under center in on this side of the OUA, at least. Um, but think about how many quote-unquote veteran quarterbacks there are in the OUA right now. It's pretty much him and Tanner DeYoung, right? Like, and those James are the, Keenan, the three of them. <laughs> I don't know. If it's, I guess. I guess James Keenan's a vet, but he's still younger than Tanner and, and Dueck, right? So, like... I think that, you know, outside of maybe Hillock, DeYoung, Dueck's got a chance to be one of the top quarterbacks again in the OUA. We know he can get there. We've seen the production. We've seen the yardage. Even last year in a down season, if you want to like, yeah, sure it was. But even last year in a down season, he was still productive and he was still giving Mac opportunities to win games. Uh, I I just want to see him be a little bit more aggressive but cautious i don't know see you said he gave them chances to win games and where he giveth he also taketh away and that is my big thing with nick master this year duick can control games with his volume passing and his efficiency um he can make teams always guessing get them frustrated because it's like okay well we can't stop him he's just hitting us all over the field uh left right center cut down the interceptions, give your defense a chance to breathe because McMaster has traditionally had a strong defense. So um, I'd like to see Mac or duet cut down on interceptions. He led the OUA last year uh, in that category. And from a guy that is known as a high efficiency, high volume passer, interceptions really go against that. And when you lead your own conference, the biggest conference in the country that's that's a pretty concerning sign. So I'd like to see him clean that up. But like you said, he he is the gears that start to churn this engine of McMaster football. Um, I I would love to see McMaster back and playing at a highly competitive level and competing with everyone again. Uh, but Duek needs to cut down the interceptions in order to do so. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, nobody wants the 40-40 Jameis Winston, right? 
No, I I, <laughs> I would like the five thousand and forty, but maybe like twenty. So I guess in terms of Duek, instead hey, of James what, says twenty twenty now though. Oh yeah, you got that LASIK. Uh, but in terms of like Duek, would I like to see? I don't know. Uh, what he had? I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, eight eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. So 40, 40, here we go. <laughs> Maybe like eight and four. Is that reasonable to ask for? Like one touchdown a game and four interceptions, like one, maybe one every other game. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. They, they got to get him going. Um, his efficiency was still 140, which is one of the like around mid pack. Um, but I, I know he's capable of much more. And he will have Jackson cooling with another year under his belt. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And speaking of exciting, if you guys want to get in on some great deals, head over to fox40shop.com, enter the code CFP15 to get 15% off anything that the worldwide leader in whistle tech has to offer. That includes coaching boards, merchandise, of course, their cutting edge whistles, and some nautical equipment for the summer. So make sure you head over to fox40shop.com enter the code cfp15 to get in on that as always at connor r o'neill at wade zank see you guys on thursday and as always at cf perspective